You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, Ellie here wishing you a very happy Friday after a very long and surreal week that saw the first ever appearance of a former president at a criminal defendant's table. I'm sure you were all watching along with me. I was out on the streets and down at the courthouse covering this, and it was remarkable. I'm sure you've heard plenty of takes from me and others on air about the strength of the case and where this will go, but today I wanted to focus on one specific aspect of this that I actually think could be a silver lining through everything when it all comes down to it. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Also, Check out my other podcast, Up Against the Mob, season two. We just released episode six out of seven. Trust me, you will want to listen to these. Everyone I know who has started has binged them in just a couple hours. Each episode is 25 to 35 minutes. Check it out. I am sure you will love it. And I love hearing from all of you who've been listening. Here we go with this week's brief. In the movies, the courtroom is always packed. You've got the scowling judge, the attentive jury, the stern prosecutor, the schmaltzy defense lawyer, and the befuddled defendant. And then there's the full-to-capacity gallery of observers who watch with rapt attention, gasp dutifully when the witness points a finger at the defendant, and incessantly fan themselves to keep cool. They're always fanning. It's actually required by the official RCCP, the Rules of Cinematic Criminal Procedure. I looked it up. Reality is a bit different. Sure, you've got your occasional blockbuster celebrity trial, but even then, the courtroom usually is at less the capacity for everything but jury addresses. In the average case, you might see a smattering of the defendant's family and friends, a couple cops or prosecutors to support the cause and pick up some trial pointers, maybe a local reporter or two. And then there's the sad tableau of the absolutely empty courtroom. This happens. In a few of my cases, nobody at all showed up to lend support to the defendant. And then there's a curious phenomenon that's not widely known. The courtroom watcher. These are just regular folks, mostly retirees, who simply enjoy going to court and watching trials. They'd form a community of sorts, talking about what trials were happening in the courthouse, which cases promised the most action, and what was coming down the pike. Hey, the gaudy retrials docketed for June. Preet, that's for you. That's a little inside thing he likes to make fun of me for, folks. I wondered if this was a Southern District of New York, Manhattan-specific phenomenon. We do tend to have some quirky personalities on the island. So I checked with friends who had worked in two other districts. They confirmed that they, too, had courtroom watchers, which made me feel good. I'll admit that when I first started seeing these people, I regarded them with a bit of condescension. I wondered who the heck has so much free time and chooses to spend it sitting on hard wooden benches watching legal proceedings, go to the beach or something. But in time, I'd stop and chat with these courtroom watchers during trial breaks, 
and I came to like them and appreciate their presence. They went to court for simple and relatable reasons. They found it interesting, and they were moved by the high-stakes human drama. You have to admit, as governmental proceedings go, SDNY criminal trials beat the hell out of open public meetings of the Advisory Commission on property tax reform. And although the courtroom watchers might not quite phrase it this way, their attendance at trials is a basic but fundamental exercise of civic engagement. The Sixth Amendment to our Constitution explicitly guarantees the right to a speedy and public trial. This is a bedrock principle of our constitutional democracy. We don't do secret tribunals here in the United States. We take this public trial guarantee as a given, and we rarely consider it in much depth. That's an unambiguously positive indicator for our democracy. But once in a while, we need to re-examine even the most basic of our constitutional protections to make sure we aren't letting them slip behind the times and lapse into antiquity. Over the years, our courts have wrestled with whether to allow public broadcasting of trials by cameras providing television coverage, or at least by live audio feed. Practices vary by jurisdiction. Many states allow at least some form of live broadcasting, while the federal trial courts remain reliably stodgy and pretentious in forbidding any kind of live feed. In New York state courts, which soon, or perhaps not so soon, but eventually, will hold a historic trial of the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, it's up to the judge whether to allow live media coverage from inside the courtroom. The judge on the Trump case, Judge Juan Marchan, is generally held in very high regard. We've seen near-universal praise for him from prosecutors and defense attorneys alike. But he has a history of denying broad media access requests in other high-profile cases. He denied a request for cameras in the courtroom in the Trump Organization trial last year, and he permitted only still photography during the sentencing of Trump Org CFO Alan Weisselberg. Earlier this week, Judge Mershon refused to allow television cameras or a live audio feed at Trump's arraignment. The judge offered up a pale consolation, allowing still photographs for a limited time before the proceeding began. Of course, a trial of Donald Trump will evoke exponentially more public interest than even these prior high-profile matters, and Judge Mershon will have to make an even more important call when that day comes. We might fairly ask, why wouldn't a judge allow cameras in the courtroom in any case, ever? If the American public is interested and the media wants to broadcast it, then why not? Courtrooms are open to the public. Our aforementioned courtroom watchers just stroll right in. So why wouldn't we use modern technology to maximize public access? The answer you'll hear from the courts is that we need to worry about courtroom decorum. We wouldn't want cameras encouraging grandstanding or boorish behavior by the lawyers or the parties after all. It's time to put an end to this suspect rationale against media access to trials. The courts need to get over themselves. We don't use powdered wigs and quill pens anymore. The courts are live, modern venues for our most important public processes. It's foolish to continue insisting on some antiquated notion of mannered propriety at the expense of public access and transparency. In fact, we've seen plenty of high-profile trials conducted in recent years with live television feeds. Derek Chauvin, the police officer who murdered George Floyd, Kyle Rittenhouse, the men who killed Ahmaud Arbery, and all of them have been full, fair processes untainted by over-the-top courtroom histrionics. In these cases, the public benefited by seeing the proceedings play out, and the courts promoted the vital goals of transparency and access. Even the snootiest of our judicial institutions, the U.S. Supreme Court, finally conceded to reality and allowed live audio feeds of oral argument starting during the early days of COVID in 2020. Guess what? 
The sky hasn't fallen. We didn't see Supreme Court practitioners suddenly pulling wild stunts, and the court somehow managed to maintain its dignity while at the same time enabling the entire country to listen in on high-stakes arguments and maybe even learn something. And now that COVID is over, the court rightly continues its live feed. The experiment has been an unqualified success, and it should pave the way to someday allowing full audiovisual coverage. In my view, when Trump's trial happens, Judge Mershon must allow full live audiovisual broadcast. Public interest has never been higher, perhaps in any other case in U.S. history. And what's the downside? The lawyers might showboat. Prior experience with the aforementioned televised trials shows us that this is more hypothetical than reality. And even if some lawyers play to the camera a bit, so what? Judge Mershon has shown an ability to control his courtroom, and he surely will be up to the task even with cameras around. Disclosure here, I worked for CNN, which has been party along with other media outlets to a motion to allow cameras in the courtroom for Trump's arraignment and probably will be a party to similar motions relating to future Trump appearances. When Trump goes on trial in New York someday, we'll all want to see it. More to the point, the court should want us to see it. It's important for the American public and for the courts themselves. With the aid of modern technology and a bit of judicial common sense, we'll all become like those dedicated Manhattan courtroom watchers. That's a good thing for all of us and for our democracy. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay informed. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.